Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and hello to all of my unlucky lounge rats out there. Good to see you've joined us. Walked back this way for another episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, Denizen of the Unlucky Lounge, located in historic Monoscrew Manor. And joining us, as always, is the 2-2 that is always there for you on turn two. His name is Borok, my bear buddy. How are we feeling this week? <laughs> Yeah, Borok, as we continue to play out Zendikar Rising, I can easily say it is something that is going to keep us occupied for months, especially since our next limited format won't be coming out for a while. I think that exploring this plane a little bit further shall yield a lot of fun for all of us. But before we dive deeper into some theories of how one is to, let's say, start a Zendikar Rising draft and some different theories, let's go through the bits of housekeeping. First off, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, BLEAV.com, or wherever you download your audio goodness for great shows and a range of topics to help keep the midday blues away. And always, we thank all of you, the listeners, for tuning in and giving us the best gift that you could ever give anyone, and that is your time. So thank you so much for tuning in to another episode and we would love for you to get in on the community that means finding us on twitter that is draft and draft cory you can find me on my instagram cory damone enriquez or if this show is giving you some satisfaction find us on patreon that's patreon.com backslash draft and draft put that directly into the url to help us keep the lights on here in the unlucky lounge well, that's enough of the housekeeping. The Sorcerer's Broom is put back into the Conjurer's Closet, and Borak, I'm sorry. I just I can't help myself right now. The format's still exciting and new. I, I feel like I have to dip into another Zendikar Rising draft right now. Yeah, I know, it's a little bold. You know, the bar's running, but I think we can make this work if you and I work together. I'll operate the draft. And you take care of the bar, burning me and giving me some advice. I think we can make this work. <laughs> yes, Barak, I know you're the one bartending, but I mean, first off, you're just an amazing bartender. But second off, with our listeners here, I just really want to prove a point. I want to draft this deck. I want to try hard. I want to prove everyone the value of staying open. You are now listening to When Keeping It Open Goes Wrong. Draft and Draft Corey was like any other content creator, one with a sparkle in his eye and a point to prove. Borok, I know you're a great drafter, but I just feel with our listeners here, I, I have a point that I really want to prove. <laughs> Ignoring the well-placed advice of his bear-tending friend, Corey decided to fire up another draft to prove a point that nobody cared that he proved. Yeah, sure, Borok, we could take Kadanzu Mammoth, and it's a good card, but I just don't think green is very good, and if we're gonna make this point about staying open, we should just go with the Pack Beast. It's all the creature types and can make different color mana. Blinded by the brightness of his very own hot take, Cory achieved a task that not many could do in the span of five seconds, and that was turn his first name into Hubris. <laughs> Come on, Borok, what are you, a bear or a mammoth? 
embrace this two drop. We're onto something here. He wasn't. I think this theory is going to help our listeners out. He's stone cold wrong. I got a good feeling about this draft. This draft is going to go terribly. Come on, Bora, keep the faith. I'm telling you, this is going to work. Back one, Corey drafted a bunch of removal that was color-intensive and MDFC cards that one might not call a payoff. His theory thus far was proving absolutely nothing. His draft resembled very much like the stinkiest cologne of them all. Desperation. Yes, Borak, I can see that. Our deck is not looking particularly well, but it's just pack one. There's plenty of playables and Zendikar rising. We're just waiting for something to send us a sit. Oh. Pick seven into pack one, a relic vial showed its ugly head. But Corey had a pivotal choice to either take a card that clearly defined what his deck was going to do or keep it open. Borok, this is going to sound crazy, but I think we're supposed to take the Ghastly Gloom Hunter. I know it's the weaker card, but look at this. It's got counter synergies, it's got kicker synergies, life game synergies. This keeps us open to multiple different deck archetypes. Maybe we can have just a little bit of everything and make a fully functioning deck out of the cards that we've already been taking. I know raw power level tells us the relic vial, but this is keeping us open. We're going back to what we're trying to do, Borak. I really think this is the right pick. Plus, it's the first cleric card we've seen in this pack. So I think someone else is taking up this stuff. Maybe this pack had two big cleric payoffs. We don't want to fight with another person here at the table. Because he refused to listen to his bear-tending buddy, nothing but regret was to come for the next pick. Yes, Borok, I know the Relic Vial would have paired nicely with this Clerical Life's Bond in the pack, but... Even though having a second opportunity to fix the mistake he made the first time around, Corey decided to double down and keep it even more open. Borok, I think I have to take the Tazim Raptor. Yeah, I know, it's Cleric of Life's Bond, it's the best uncommon, but what if we go with a big MDFC value pile, we'll take everyone that we can find, try to splash a bunch of different other off-color things, and we don't have to commit to anything quite yet, and maybe we'll get something past really good in pack two, and uh, Borok! Borok, where, where, where are you going? Borok! Leaving Cory in a huff over his inability to commit to anything, this drafter was left with a steaming hot pile of garbage that he wanted to call a deck. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Deep Voice Fancy Narrator. It's kind of hard to make these decisions with you blabbering on like that. Well, then perhaps you should look into drafting an actual deck in this format. Uh, excuse me, this format is brand new. I'm sure there are still plenty of decks to discover. I might just be a pioneer in Zendikar Unlimited. Did you think about that? No, I did not think about that, especially when you are objectively making the wrong picks. Oh, well, if it's that easy, why don't you come down here, grab the mouse, and actually try to draft a deck yourself? I find that extremely offensive. I'm a disembodied voice and have no hands. That seems like a likely excuse. Well, I'm going to show you wrong. I'm going to take as many different wide party things as I can. I'll play all the colors, and I'm going to make a deck like this work. Just wait till you see. This party is going to happen. Did I hear someone say, Party? No, 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 Gaia. No, I, I, I respect it. I love it. But listen, right now, I'm, I'm trying to draft the deck. But the, the timer's running out. Gaia, please stop. No, no. What's a party without a little dancing? I get it. Listen, now, uh, after this draft, we'll dance all you want. But no, ow, not there. Ow, my spleen. Listen, Corey, if you're going to say party, then you better expect some dancing. 
After being seized by Galia for an impromptu dance party because of his gratuitous use of the word party, Corey's deck was left to the auto-drafter, which had no clue what he was trying to do. His deck ended up with five colors worth of garbage. You know, I think I have another party to go to. Okay, bye. Oh my gosh, I think I broke my gallbladder. Oh no, what is this deck? It's all five colors. This looks like trash. Oh, this is gonna be the worst. Had Corey simply taken the advice of his bear-tending friend, he might have been there to get him away from the random Galia dance party. But as it stood, he went 0-3 in the draft, losing the rest of his gems. Listen, Borok, I know I'm working as fast as I can. I get it. It's starting to pile up, okay? Just let me work. I did not miss a spot. That is a perfectly clean pan... Oh my gosh, I hate my life so much. Corey needed to make some extra scratch after going on tilt, rage drafting, and spending way too much on gems while trying to prove his point. Borok, you really don't need to be laughing at me right now. And for the record, your laugh is still the creepiest thing ever. From front of house piloting drafts to backstage cleaning dishes for $8 an hour, Corey is yet another example of when keeping it open goes wrong. I'm telling you, Borok, Stonework Pack Beast is still a first pickable card. Oh no, Borok, I'm fine. I know I look a little tired, bags under my eyes, some wrinkles, but that's just 2020 for you, along with a lot of late night 3 a.m. drafting. I mean, what can you say? I'm just not as young as I used to be. You're right, Borok. I do love taking care of myself, and just because we're socially distancing or isolating, that doesn't mean we can't take 10 minutes to make ourselves feel 10 years younger with what? That's Plexiderm. We're talking a serum that reduces wrinkles, fine lines, and under eye bags that you know you get when you wake up at 6 a.m. because you can't wait a second longer. You have to play that 40-card deck you just put together. That's right, Borok. This is a call to action to all of my unlucky lounge rats to go now to triplexiderm.com. Use the code BLEAV at checkout to get a six application trial pack for $14.95 with free shipping with what? Plexiderm. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under eye bags disappear. Whew, welcome back, welcome back all of my unlucky lounge rats from that quick, short break. I hope that, hopefully we all learned a little lesson about when keeping it open goes wrong. I certainly did with my dishpan hands. Yes, Borok, lessons were learned and we're gonna unpack those lessons, but first, credit where credit is due. The whole take of limiting your time to keep open in Zendikar Rising, that take goes to the boys at the Lords of Limited podcast. If you're looking to up your game, listen to their content. Usually comes out every Monday or Tuesday. We, of course, go for the lighter side of Limited. They have some great strategic content. Also, they just came off of an amazing team draft with the Limited Resources team. Watch it on Twitch. You can see all six of the team drafters dig into their team draft. It was an absolute joy. Check it out if you love high competitive drafting with great limited players and content creators. 
Also, this show is a tribute to one of my favorite sketch comedy shows of all time, The Chappelle Show. Thank you to Dave Chappelle for centering comedy around some real social justice issues and, of course, all the other people that helped make that show. And a quick reminder to everyone, Black Lives Matter. We might be months out, but still our social issues that confront us on a daily basis should be attended to. And also, I want to give a shout-out to Zbex Zenaid Beckham, who helped us bring Galia to life once more for this episode. Thank you, Zbex, for letting us hang out with Galia once more. No, Borak, I'm not stalling. You are actively right about our draft. And let's get into our topic at hand. How to keep open in Zendikar Rising, but more importantly, when to call it quits and... I think there's a number of lessons that I want to compound upon with some of my time playing limited thus far in Zendikar Rising. My main thing that I'm taking with me is staying open to an archetype is fine enough, but you gotta pick a deck lane. The best decks in this format are the tribal decks. They are some of the black-red party decks. I'm not as impressed as other people are with that deck because it just does spread some of its biggest payoffs a little bit too wide. Same goes with Blue-White Party. And of course, you can't forget about the Kicker deck, the Blue-Green Kicker deck. Uh, anything that's basically green kicker-centric, and if you're drafting Roost of Drakes, you're in a pretty good spot. But those are your best bets of decks. Now, you could draft other things that aren't these decks, but... You really want to start to look at those because they're the best architects that come together with simply commons and uncommons. Certainly you can open up some powerful rares that can help lean you more towards a landfall type deck or maybe you want to get into blue-white party if you opened a Lindvala. But I just think that by sticking to heuristics like find your tribal lane, think about kicker and maybe there are some mdf value pile decks out there it's going to lead to a greater win rate for all of my listeners from this i want to ask some questions that if i were in your shoes i might ask myself one of the first questions i might say in response to my previous statement would be are the archetypes in zendikar rising in that we need to kind of pick a lane very similar to, say, the guild decks in a Ravnica set? To an extent, I would say, yeah, they kind of are. It's not as inflexible as, say, guilds of Ravnica, but they do need to be attended to, especially with the climbing the ladder in best of one being the primary limited source of gameplay for most of my listeners out there. The best decks that you're going to encounter are the Tribal decks, the Lands Matter decks that have, say, Tazim Raptor, Gadanzu Stomper, and Pyroclastic Hellion, and, of course, the Blue-Green Kicker deck. If you're along one of these routes, you'll probably have the greatest amount of success if you can find those signals that are coming to you. The times that I'm finding these signals and really digging in are as early as pick 3 and pick 4. Additionally, I want to really pay attention to the decks that I'm passing, more so than previous formats, say like Throne of Eldraine or Ikoria or even Corset 2021. Sending your own very clear signal, like say, taking out the last card of a certain color and making sure the people to my left know exactly where I am coming from 
is an important tool for your drafting in Zendikar Limited. You can table some really niche cards. Just recently, I tabled a number of Merfolk Windriders after finding that, well, that rogue deck was open in the draft table. I didn't take those archetype specific cards, but as soon as I found a rogue payoff or two, I found enough little bits and bobs to put together enough of a rogue synergy package that would make me happy. When I tabled around that open early Merfolk Wind Rider, I was very happy to jump right into the deck. So paying attention to those cards that you can potentially table, especially the ones that are niche cards, the ones that are more apt to fit in a specific deck archetype, is going to lead to better overall deck builds. So while maybe it's not as rigid as a two-color format, still being attentive to the specific decks that are the strongest is going to lead you to more satisfactory deck builds. Another thing that I've been finding with Zendikar Rising is pack one kind of feels particularly weak compared to say packs two and packs three. This is more to do with if you're doing your job right and you're sending a clear signal to what the people on your left should be in is going to lead to some pretty deep playables in your subsequent packs. You'll know if things are going right if around, say, pick four or five and pack two, you see a sweet, uncommon build round that is clearly in your deck archetype. Which leads me to another heuristic that I kind of want to lean on for the rest of the time that we're playing with this format. Don't be afraid to abandon early strong picks and play nicely with those around you. If you send a delightful present to your next door neighbor, they are more likely to be a Santa Claus for you come PAX 2 and PAX 3. And who doesn't love a good present time? Am I right, everybody? This leads me to another phenomenon that might happen to you often in a Zendikar Rising pack. You either open up or get past a pack that has two different cards of the same deck archetype in it, and you don't know quite which one to take. Say, for example, a Cleric of Life's Bond and a Relic Vial. If I see those two cards early in pack one, I might very keenly kind of pass both of them. If there's a card of equal power level. If, say, there's no other card as strong as Cleric of Life's Bond in the pack, then I'll probably just take that card. However, if I can find something that's at least somewhat close to the same strength in deck as one of those two cards, I'll take that and let other people make the choice of where they want to be and fight over this deck archetype. It's not worth it to fight with your neighbors. It is way more worth it to find something that no one else is doing and be original in your draft pod. And I don't know if anyone else feels this, but it's really, really resonant to me in Zendikar Rising that you're not playing with these same people in this draft pod. And that being true, you want everyone's deck to be good. Those seven other people at that table with you, they're your friends. Make friends with these other players. Until, of course, you play them, and then you're mortal enemies, and you should curb sound them. But until then, give them an opportunity to let their decks flourish. 
You should feel good about yourself when you pass an opponent a late 8th or ninth pick card that is better as a common in a different deck archetype than yours. Don't feel like you have to jam cards that are only kind of good in your deck, but better in a different deck archetype. Give them that opportunity to let their decks flourish. The last thing that I want to address is the concept of splashing and trying to stay open with multiple different parties in your deck. I have yet to find one of those uncommon artifact relics that specifically key off of having one of the different party classes and play in a deck that isn't specifically driven in that one particular deck archetype. I'm still trying to see if maybe we can make some kind of green build of it work, say like blue-green wizards or maybe green-blue clerics, but I just haven't found that to be a useful strategy as of this time of recording. Maybe it can come together still, but I almost never want to splash into a third color, even with the best color fixing that I could possibly get, say like a Secure the Wastes and maybe a few Stonework Pack Beasts. But unless I'm really heavy into, say, a red-black multi-party synergy deck, not into it. Even in white-blue, your removal is not very good to keep your opponent's party creature synergies off the board. You've got Bubble Snare, you've got Nahiri's Binding, but that creature stays on the board and counts towards their party synergies and their tribal synergies, which makes this color combination very vulnerable to, say, a cleric's build or a wizard's build. Steer clear of trying to multi-class. If you've ever played D&D before, you know that once you go into different base classes, it drastically reduces the power of what you're trying to streamline your character build as. And somewhat unironically, Magic the Gathering and D&D are made from the same company, Wizards of the Coast. And whether it be Magic or D&D, multi-classing is a no-go no matter which game you go to. Well, friends, that brings us to the end of another episode. We, as always, want to know what you think. Find us on our socials on Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey, Corey Damone Enriquez on Instagram, or find our Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft. Did you like the Chappelle Show tribute? Is Zenikar Rising kind of similar to a Ravnikin guild type of deck, but maybe the colors are a little bit more forgiving? Are we off our rocker? Let us know what you think. Your voice is important to us here in the Unlucky Lounge. Well, I found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok. And thanks for tuning in. Now go out there, make some magical memories of your own. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.